Welcome to episode 223 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review round one of the 2022 NRL season. We discuss HIA. We talk about an expanded women's competition and much, much more. Join us as we build the Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 223 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I am your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, round one of the 2022 season is in the bag. Mm. Are you still pumped up? Has Rugby League returned in your mind, in your house for this year? Yeah, well, I would say, Dr. T, round one was unreal, um, <laughs> you know, unreal and, um, and but super exciting. Um, I think a great round of football. I really enjoyed it. Rugby League is back and, um, you know, a really good product at the end of the day. Um, I don't think the blowouts were as, as big as what they were last year, round one, um, or last year, all season. So I think it was great. And uh, yeah, it was a few surprises, a few upsets. Um, you know, usually round two is the upset round, but um, yeah, very interesting how some of these pl- uh, some of these um, games are lying. And already we have some people um, suggesting certain clubs that were favoured to go all the way. Are uh, you know what? Like it's over for them. You know, uh, people uh, saying that you know certain players are no longer as as good as what they were. You know, um, you know, uh, like oh, uh, look, it's typical. Uh, yeah, I think Tish, and I'm pretty sure um, plenty of fans were talking about referees going needing to go to spec savers. So <laughs> I, you know, like the yeah, usual, yeah. the usual yeah. comments come out. I think yeah, it's, it's the predictable usual suspects, at this point. Basically, yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, uh, you're right. There's a lot to talk about with all the games in the the NRL uh, mm. this year. Um, yeah, just just for those who don't know, when uh, when you said Unreal, um, I I sort of let out a bit of a laugh. But I think if you didn't know any better, you'd think that uh, Doctor T is going crazy. But there's a reason why I laugh. What is the reason, <laughs> Tish? What what why does the word Unreal make me laugh at the moment? Yeah. Well, look, every year, um, you know, the NRL uh, around the season launch have a, I suppose, a campaign. Um, you know, they have like some sort of uh, video and you now they normally advertise it. Now, I've got to say, um, usually you saw it, you know about it a month before or even two months before. They've already shot it. Um, this year, however, like it, it, like we really didn't know until the round one even started, right? They didn't even post it online. But so this year, the theme for 2022 is unreal or it's unreal. So rugby league is so real, it's unreal. Um, that is the statement that they are going through. So, you know, so so what does that mean? It defies logic. It defies science. Um, it defies proper English, to be fair. Um, <laughs> like, so real, <laughs> it's unreal. Like, so how can something, how can, I, I suppose Dr. T, as a doctor, 
uh, how can something be so real that it is unreal? Can you give me an example outside of rugby league where this is the case? Ish, uh, you know, this is my wheelhouse because, as you know, uh, I'm not a real doctor. I'm an unreal doctor. <laughs> and by that I mean I, I, I did get a PhD in reality studies. And so this is exactly the kind of thing. Look, I'm disappointed that the NRL didn't come to me yep. for advice on the distinction between real and unreal because, uh you know, I, I've seen some of the imagery of, uh, you know, Junior Paulo pointing to the sky, praising the Lord for uh, for a tackle or a try or something. I don't know if that classifies as being unreal <laughs> or, or does do these sort of images classify as uh, just doing your job? Um, <laughs> I don't know. No, like, look, what was your question again? <laughs> what classifies as real or unreal? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I've lost my way. Uh, I'm just trying to think of something out there that is so real that it's unreal. Like, um, like I feel the like... Queensland. How about the? How about this? The Queensland spirit. We keep hearing about it. The Queensland <laughs> or the Queenslander. You know, like mm. you can't you can't touch it. You can't you can't measure it. You can't yeah. put it in a beaker uh, under over a Bunsen burner. You can't do any of that. But somehow. Phil Gould manages to talk about it as if it were real every single year gotcha. <laughs> before before a state of origin. So, look, I think it's one of those things. You repeat certain things many times and, and you sort of think maybe it is real. And I think that's an example of that, the Queensland spirit, um, the Parramatta's propensity for failure, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The West Tigers, uh, you know, uh, love of uh, coming ninth. Mm. just missing out on the top eight yeah, yeah these yeah. are things these are things that are cannot they're not tangible tish and yep. and and so i think look if it were me uh, in charge of the if the nrl had come to me and said uh dr t as a uh, professor of reality studies uh can you advise us on on how to unleash the best out of this unreal campaign uh, I would have suggested uh, they they talk about the Queensland spirit. Mm. They talk about they talk about the storms, uh, you know, hypnotism over the referees over the years. Cam Smith's ability to never to get away with anything, you know, like these are things that cannot be measured. We have tried, but we have failed to measure. These are these are real that feel unreal. And yeah. and cannot be, you know. So I think that's what that's what it is. But no, in all seriousness, I think what they're trying to do, the NRL, is to sort of say, look, you know, rugby league is just out of this world in terms of athletic ability, and we mm. the players do unbelievable, unbelievable things. Um, which makes me think, why didn't they just call it unbelievable and oh, okay. use that song from the nineties? <laughs> yeah, well, well, well. Um, you know, uh, I was gonna, I was actually thinking about this, right? Unreal. I don't like. I don't know how many people actually even talked about this, right? But like, what do you think of the word unreal? For me, I do, I do get an image. Or oh, the first thing that comes to my mind is unreal tournament, and um, and I think about gaming culture, and uh, oh, yeah. you know, if you Google unreal, like that's um, you know, there is a, a believer, you know, a uh, a company that actually uh, develops games that are that is. Um, you know, the name of the uh, series is Unreal. The engine's called Unreal. So I do get it. It, it is a bit cyber. It is a bit model, modern. When I oh, think, yeah, yeah. 
when you hear the word unbelievable, I think of the song unbelievable, right? But then I also think <laughs> about, like, I could just see a Collingwood mark, right? Because uh, the AFL had a really uh, successful campaign using that song, unbelievable, right? Um, and, um, you know, and then sort of uh, doing a highlights reel um, of their greatest things. So I, uh, I think unreal, I think, I think there is, uh, I think it, it's not, okay, I mean, look, uh, it will make you fun of it a little bit. Um, it does seem a little absurd, but I, I do understand that that it probably is trying to draw out a, um, you know, a sort of a different sort of approach. Um, but I just think these sort of things take time as well. Like, I, I feel like you can't just launch it at one, one week out. you gotta, you got to do some sort of, like, um, countdown before the season starts. And this sort of thing should come out. Um, you know, they should do, like, a like if you think about, like, Marvel Studios and, you know all these big film houses, right? You get the um, you get the small uh, you know clip. Uh, I forgot what they call it, like a teaser. Like they should mm. they should actually tease the theme. Um, I'd say around December, around Christmas time, and then you know sort of you sort of drip people into, hey, what is the NRL season is about? Because the good thing about it is that the product delivers, right? It's not like um, you know other sports where. Like it's not like a like you know, and I'm a fan of cricket, so uh, I hope I don't offend any supporters out there. But sometimes you know, when they advertise cricket, you're expecting you know these sixes and these and these incredible shots and everything like that. But the first hour of a test match, it's uh, people playing in plain white, um, and you know, in front of nobody, and you know, it can get dull very quickly, right? So the product doesn't deliver to the advertising a little bit. But I think yeah, with rugby league, true. I think you could always. I think the product itself. I mean, I know I'm a rugby league fan, but most people when they sit down and watch a rugby league game, even if they watch it for the first time, if it's a, you know, as long as the two teams are exciting, I think I think any sort of you know unreal, unbelievable, anything that is like, hey, this thing is incredible. I think those type of um, I think rugby league can live up to the advertising, if I could say that. Um, All right, look, I agree. I think there's 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 highlights reels in every single game where yeah. you just get the best athleticism and mm. uh, like we, I've spoken about this before, T-shirt. We uh, when you look at you know those YouTube videos of, of snippets of uh, not even the greatest rugby league games, or, but just some pretty good highlights over the years. You get a lot of people in America just going, "Wow, that's unbelievable!" and then. Uh, and then you compare it to like highlights reels of rugby union and not to harp on about it, but yeah. uh, you know, you, you get the usual uh, rugby league troll on the comments thread that sort of says you get this every week, <laughs> not, you know, in the NRL, not, it's not just once every, however many test matches, like it's the level of athleticism and skill. I think in the NRL is like second to none in any of the footballing uh, in rugby league or rugby union uh, around the world. And I think that's why, we have so much to talk about and we're so excited about it because it's just, you're right, it continues to deliver. But uh, I've got to say one thing, just to finish off my comments about this Unreal campaign, uh, we'll, and we'll check in on it later, see how it goes, but I think early signs in terms of <clears throat> online engagement, <clears throat> excuse me, are probably not that great. Uh, you know, one of the issues that you'll see is when you, when you see like uh, NRL putting in, uh, Facebook post with just a picture. Uh, usually, like I said, the Unreal. It's usually a particular highlight of this weekend. We saw imagery that suggests, you know, that that, that player did something good or whatever. 
um, usually you look at the 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 types of not necessarily the comments, but the the reactions, the types of reactions that people give, and anytime you see a laugh reaction. <laughs> Um, especially from more than one person, it makes you sort of wonder, I don't think if this is really connecting with like the young audience. I think that it's, mm. if there's people out there thinking it's funny, that there's just a simple campaign, unreal, whatever it is, then that means it hasn't really landed. So I don't know what the focus groups are telling the NRL, but if you're just looking at what, what you see on Facebook reactions as one example, and I think, uh, yeah, I think that's the one where I usually see it, not necessarily Twitter, but um, you do see like the face, the the laugh reaction come up quite a bit. And so that tells me that people are just not connecting to it and they just find it ridiculous. So look, that's that's my final thoughts on that now that we need to move on to tackle number one. Shall we go to tackle number one, which is our round one review? Here we go. Right, so the first game was a blockbuster uh, premiership defending champions, Penrith Panthers, up against, um, you know, top four contenders last year, the Manly Warringah Seagulls. It was a uh, demolition. <laughs> the Panthers demolished uh, the Seagulls 28-6. to um, Highlights for you, Tish. I think for me, it was just oh, look. They they just were clinical. They just did what they needed to do. Um, I think in there was one one incident where uh, there was some discussion around uh, a, a try that should have been disallowed on Penrith's part because Brent or was in the way or whatever, uh, or sorry Jerome Luai or whatever, with the, or the other way around. It doesn't really matter. The the point is that. It was uh, inconsequential in the end because Penrith way outclassed Manly, and so they've starting they've started the season on uh, off with a bang. Uh, Tish, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, impressed. Uh, Panthers were one of the teams that impressed me. Um, without um, you know, without uh, without uh, Nathan Cleary um, to be able to have Sean O'Sullivan, who was uh, I think ex Warrior, maybe ex Knights before that. Um, and a home, and a local junior who had to you know leave Penrith to to get an NRL gig has come back. The prodigal son comes back and performs out of this world. An unreal performance, shall we say, from <laughs> Sean O'Sullivan, and really uh, a really great try also from Manly. Um, so at halftime, I thought they were actually um, uh, still in it, but I think um, the just the weight of possession and the control that Panthers showed for such a young team. Yeah, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, but what a great start to the season. Big crowd, um, you know, really, really great to watch, really exciting. Yeah, it's and, just yeah. over 16,000. Yeah. Yeah, it looked, it looked capacity and, um, you know, so, yeah, so I thought, I thought I thought a great season opener. Yeah, and similarly for Canberra Raiders in front of a big uh, home crowd of 15,000 or so, mm. 24-19 over the Cronulla Sharks. I, I think I tipped the Sharks in this one. I was impressed. It was a pretty good quality match. And I think Canberra, look, I probably shouldn't discount Canberra right away. I think I did exclude them from my top eight predictions. But they proved me wrong. I think they proved that, in fact, they mounted a comeback. So it was like a last-minute try, I think, or with a few minutes to go that sealed the deal. Um, Again, they surprised me a bit considering the off-field turmoil 
with uh, the the wags, um, you know, on social media commenting against Ricky Stewart's decisions. Uh, they managed to pull it together. My question is, for how much longer? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, again, like, you know, the drama of Canberra continues, right? And, um, you know, uh, it was, uh, yeah, so, but a great win by by the Raiders. They they held on, you know, to a late, you know, a fight back from the Sharks. And, um, you know, um, you know, the first field goal of the season was kicked in this game as well. So um, by the Sharks. So I think it was a late try um, that sealed the deal for Canberra. So again, you know, a great, yeah, I like, you know, uh, first two games, you know, you've got some really exciting football and, you know, a, a last minute sort of, uh, you know, victory. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, a real nail biter. Mm. And look, speaking of, uh, well, nail biters, but <laughs> Brisbane Broncos, their first game of the season, Friday night, under Adam Reynolds, who wasn't there, 11 4 against. The Rabbitohs, um, considering the Rabbitohs where they were last year and, and look, they were missing Latrell Mitchell. And I think that's the key factor here is there's been some issues with Latrell and he's, uh, you know, what value he have added to this team? I don't know, but it looks like either way that in front of a huge crowd of 32,000, um, Bron- Brisbane Broncos, yeah, I think they surprised me a little bit. So well done, Broncos. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, the Broncos. So this was last year the team who came third versus the team who came thirteenth, and the team who came thirteenth <laughs> won. So talking about uh, closing the gap, um, immense work from Brisbane, and without their star signing of uh, Adam Reynolds, who is out due to a a small known virus called COVID one nine, um, but yeah, and also mm. like you know the Brisbane yeah with um you know sort of Albert Kelly and Billy Walters in the halves doing well. Um, the the person who stood out for me in this game was actually Patrick Carrigan, who was a lock forward for um uh Brisbane. I I was so uh I suppose I just noticed that he was a lot more involved in Cameron Murray. And I really feel that just having that that player that sort of can play on both sides of the ruck sort of links the two halves together or, you know, allows the halves to play on one side while he sort of takes over the other, plus does the, you know, probably the second highest tackling, uh, you know, kind of, kind of uh, shows you, you know, how powerful that position can be. Um, if you got the right player playing, and um, I think that was the real difference, um, you know. And uh, yeah, absolutely, I-, I wonder how this game would have fared though if Latrell was playing this game, and at his brilliant best. Because I think I think the Rabbitohs just lacked that, l- you know, little bit of class that will take it to the next level. Absolutely, um, Knights and Roosters. So Knights won this one quite handily, twenty points to six. I think that surprised a lot of people. Um, But, yeah, I am not surprised. I think I tipped uh, the Roosters to kind of drop off. Did I tip the Roosters? I think I tipped the Roosters to drop off the eight this year. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm starting to see the signs of that. So, look, um, I wonder wonder if – am I a genius? I don't know. Uh, Or maybe (laughs) I'm just – Newcastle is just riding the wave of – a good first game uh, in front of a pretty good crowd of 14,000. Uh, it wasn't a home game for them, but, um, At the but yeah, uh, well game. done. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the um, yeah, well done, Newcastle. I think everybody was surprised by this result. Um, uh, apart from yourself, Dottie, who did successfully tip the Knights. Um, so <laughs> yeah, but but I think even yourself would admit um, that you didn't expect the scoreline to be as uh, as uh, you know as big as what it was. You know, the differential, and uh, yeah, because because actually they they. T- they smashed them, you know. They, uh, you know, the um, the the Roosters only got a try right at the end. I believe if they didn't score that try, that would have been their worst round one performance, like since nineteen thirty six or nineteen thirty five. So um, really, really disappointing. And some people are saying that the Roosters are slow starters and they've had a bad season last year and something. But you know, this is this is the club. This is the heavyweight that a lot of people who even tipped them last week to win the premiership are now backing away from them uh, just by one performance. So it'd be interesting to see where they go from here. Um, I believe they just get, they will get better. Um, you know, they, they, they had a very injury riddle season last year. And I think uh, they've had a good off season. You haven't heard much about them, but they just absolutely uh, were bad. But on the flip side, Newcastle uh, really, really impressive. They're, they're probably my top three, most impressive team, like third most impressive team in, in, in the first week for me. Yeah, absolutely. Look, another impressive team that is on the way up is the Dragons, and they won 28-16 to 16 mm. against the Warriors in front of a dismal crowd of 5,000 or so at, uh, where was it, at Sunshine Coast Stadium on the Sunshine hey. Coast. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, look, and in my mind, as I said, the Dragons, I think they're on the way up. They've recruited very well. Um, they've got rid of some of the players that, you know, caused them some issues last year um, and, and you know, recruited the likes of um, uh, George Burgess and players like that. Um, I didn't really catch a lot of this, but I think the key thing here is we've got Ravalava mm. with a hat-trick. So we've got our first hat-trick of the season uh, in... In St. George, the St. George Dragons, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, and and saying that halftime, it was only 14 10. So it was the Warriors were still in it. They just went away with it at the end. And in fact, so much so that really it was, uh, you know, three tries to one in the second half. And and you can't, where, where it was kind of two tries all up, up to halftime. So when you look at it that way, it's, it's a case of mentality, and uh, and I guess um, yeah. Uh, look out for Jack Bird. Jack Bird is my prediction uh, for a uh, you for know, the Renaissance Award. Renaissance Award, uh, the player that will make the greatest kind of comeback. Mm. And I think uh, and there's plenty of others that are putting their hand up as well. But I think Jack Bird for mine, mm. it's easier to shine. And if he goes well, I think the Dragons will go well. I think he brings that. Um, skill that X factor, but also a bit of leadership as well. And I think that's exactly what they need. Uh, Tish, uh, quick thoughts on Dragons Warriors. Yeah, look, everything you said was great. Ravalava, I think a hat-trick of tries, well, first hat-trick of the year. And I've got to say another unreal moment, like, because I did see bits of this game. The Warriors actually had a, a line dropout that went about 85 metres. <laughs> It was incredible. So they dropped it out from their try line, and I think the Dragons were back on their twenty when they were tackled. Wow. So, yeah, it did. It like uh, you know, it did go over the halfway line uh, on the full, but I think the Dragons let it bounce, 
head. And, and then one, just kept going. He just kept going. So uh, next. There's a lesson moment. for you, young ones. Yeah. Don't let it bounce. Yeah, and look, look. I know you mentioned about the crowd, but it was at the Sunshine Coast Stadium. I believe it looked pretty close to capacity. So I think it also had to do with the boutique Queensland grounds, um, you know, which unfortunately is going to be the Warriors' home ground for a little longer. So that's right. Um, and look, when I when I, I have to apologise when I said dismal, I don't mean the people. I mean <laughs> the size of the crowd Just, compared yeah. to other crowds. In saying that, like you're right, if uh, if we're going to do that and have some a presence there in in the lead up to kind of the Dolphins coming in, uh, when is it next year? Um, yeah, it's absolutely the right thing to do to maintain a presence there. So it'll only grow. So I think. Um, unfortunately, the Warriors need to sort of uh, ramp up their their performances a little bit compared to what we saw. Um, all right, the Tigers and the Storm in front of 10,000 at Combank Stadium, which is the former Bankwest Stadium mm. uh, in Western Sydney. Um, unreal. They were winning 10-4 at halftime. <laughs> in fact, they were winning, I think, 16-4 at one point. They were. And then it all fell apart. So that's right. Uh, you know, so they were they were in the lead. You were you were thinking, wow, the Tigers actually, you know, in in a week that Tish tipped against them, yep. a rare occasion where he tipped against them, they were actually on track to win. But this is the typical Tigers came through after the 42nd. Uh, well, actually, after the 54th minute when Luke Brooks kicked his last penalty goal, it was all downhill. There were three tries that the Storm found after that, and uh, they ended up winning 26 to 16 in front of 10,000 fans. Um, Tish, disappointing, but some good signs that the Tigers, you know, well, it's two ways to look at this. Either the Tigers went back to their old ways after to half time, didn't know how to close off the match. And so there's a bit of work there to do to sort of um, get them on track there. Or the Storm just had some cobwebs that they needed to kind of get rid of. Um, and then they kicked into gear and it was all it was all the Storm. That's, that's two ways to look at it. Tish, what was your way of looking at it? Okay, next unreal moment, Xavier Coates' leaping try. Oh, yeah. That is right. a proper unreal moment. That yep. is a proper, like, you know, it was, uh, I don't know how high. I mean, he could have won an Olympic medal. Uh, that's, how, that's how high he went. <laughs> try, um, try of the year so far. Try of the year, definitely, definitely. Yeah, look, uh, but look, people are saying, uh, look, Melbourne, firstly, um, only having 45% of the ball, right, still being able to win, uh, <laughs> you know, making like, uh, what's it, something like 300 more, uh, is it 300? A lot more tackles than what the Tigers had to do. Um, and just, you know, being able to stay in the in the game, um, that shows you that like, you know, the, uh, you know, they actually made more missed tackles than the Tigers. You know, it's the problem once again. I don't think the Tigers um, have learned anything from anything, really. Um, they should have won this game. It's um, You can't accept, hey, you know, it was a great learning opportunity uh, because we've had learning opportunities for so long <laughs> now. And, you know, I really worry against uh, for them uh, for the night. So I think um, I've got to say, look, yes, some good performances, but again, losing out on the one percenters, you know, those real effort moments, throughout the game and, um, you know, the storm, um, they just kept coming until they, they got the win. And in the end, um, you know, a 10 point deficit, uh, you know, kind of shows that they, they sort of, 
not only were they able to come back, but they were actually to go on with it a little bit uh, more. So I think a lot of work for uh, the West Tigers to do. On the other hand, the Storm, yeah, they were patchy in the first half. They got their act together in the second half, but they wouldn't be uh, too happy with their performance either. So I think the Storm have got... Um, they're building into their season. That's what I could say. Um, and uh, Craig Bellamy has got his 500th coming up this week. So let's see how they go from there. Absolutely. Uh, Eels and Titans uh, followed up the next day in at, at Combank Stadium in front of 18,000. Big crowd there. Eels winning that one 32-28. Some controversy around uh, some of the refereeing decisions. A lot of people online saying that the Eels were favoured. I'm not necessarily sure I saw it that way. And given that I've been an Eels fan for so many years where I feel like we've been wronged on many occasions, I kind of think, oh, well, that's sometimes you, you maybe you get the rub of the greens sometimes and other days you don't. So I don't think there's a concerted effort. Um, for anyone out there, let me just be very clear, Tish. I'm talking to those fans that uh, uh, probably are unreal <laughs> themselves. Um if any of you really think that the NRL wants the Eels to win and is trying its hardest to get the Eels, uh, you know, across the line to get that elusive premiership, let me tell you, what? why didn't they do this in previous years? They've had another 30 years or so uh, to do this. Why now? Why, why this year? It doesn't make any sense. So all those conspiracy theorists that think that there's a concerted push to favour uh, the Eels this year. Uh, my question is, why now? Um, that makes no sense whatsoever. So I think, look, they may have got a, a few of the lucky calls. That's fair enough. But at the end of the day, um, the Eels, I think, outplayed the Titans. And, uh, you know, even though it was a four-point game and it was a very high-scoring first half, 26-22 was a half-time score. Mm. So the Eels really were, um, you know, same number of tries, five tries each, and at the end of the day it was three penalty goals that were the difference. But look, that's that's the way it goes. So I, I don't, Look, I, uh, I think the Eels deserve that victory. Um, and, uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that, Tish? Well, look, I'd say that, um, firstly, it was a great game. Oh, well, a great first half, I've got to say. Um, probably close to my favourite game of the round um, because, yeah, uh, yeah, the first half was, was truly unbelievable. And, well, unreal. You know, we're to stay on brand here. And speaking of <laughs> unreal, I just realised this as well. Mitchell Moses is, uh, what's that, 40 or 60 metres out, kicking the ball, landing, um, you know, sort of hitting the corner post, and then coming back to the Eels, that was that was unreal, actually, that try there. So, yeah, the NRL really living up to it. It's kind of... Uh, the, not the corner post, the goalpost. The, uh, yeah, the goalpost, yeah. hitting. Well, was it the go- goalpost or was it the actual... It was the... No, no, it was a goalpost and it bounced back and, uh, yeah, it wasn't it, it wasn't the corner post. Yeah, and then uh, I think uh, there was um, Dylan, uh, Dylan Brown had another... Uh, is it Dylan Brown? Dylan Smith had another... Uh, Dylan, no, Dylan Brown. Yeah, yeah, he had he had a, another kick to it, and I don't know if it was him that scored or somebody else, but it was. Well, Sean Russell, I think Sean it was. Russell, um, yeah. So, but Sean Russell got a hat trick, so another hat trick this round. Yeah, and <laughs> unbelievable! How many hat tricks are there? Yeah, and look, I've and heard then, of Sean. I've heard of Russell. I've never heard of Sean Russell before. Was that his first game? 
Uh, not sure. And there was another Sean. So it was the day for the Seans because Sean Lane, spelled, mm. Sean spelled differently, um, scored a try as well. So yeah, he did. Seans scored mm. four out of the five tries for the Eels. So it was a yeah. Shawnee kind of day. Well, and, what, I, uh, what I would say was the redemptions of the Seans. It was a Sean Schenk redemption. <laughs> that is shocking. Um, <laughs> there was a bit of a controversy as well when Philip Sammy scored a try over Clint Gutherson and did Clint Gutherson's signature dance move yeah. where he does that little hip, the little Macarena hip thing that he does, whatever whatever it is, and he did it right. Right on top of it. Look, there was there was quite a bit of controversy. People saying oh, I was immature. I think you know what we need more of this in the game. We need more of, and it wasn't like I don't think Clint took it mm. personally in the sense that he didn't blow up about it and and punch him or anything. It was more just I think after afterwards he sort of said, uh, you know, round four, round four. I think he said, which was this is the next the next time we meet. He's yeah. already already looking at round two against the tie. That's brilliant. It was a brilliant response uh, to the questioning, and um, and I think I think this is what we need. We need a bit of humour in yeah. the game. We need a bit of oh yeah, he got me, and he got me with my own my own dance routine. So I'll get him back. You know that kind of thing. This is exactly what we need. Not nothing. There's no malice about it. Um, even if there was a bit of uh, immaturity from Philip Sammy's part, I think. Oh, yeah. It's all it's all part of the game. We've got to get over it, guys, and and just enjoy it. I think it's brilliant. So yeah, uh, well, yeah. well, for me, you know, I I have I kind of really enjoy Titans versus Parramatta games, right? Uh, Gold and I was trying to figure like, well, you know, what's the connection these two clubs have? And of course, I just realised like they're both the um like the the like the second largest city in their states. <laughs> right, Gold Coast to Parramatta. Well, they got similar colours. And there's like a similar sort of vibe, right? Like even their stadiums are like the newish type of stadiums. So, and they've had a few sort of, I think they've had one or two players that are sort of joined. So it, it, it's, uh, and, and they're all out of attack, both these teams, which is fantastic. And uh, I think- um, Entertaining, yeah. This they're entertaining, are, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So so I, th- I think bring it on. I think, um, you know, if, uh, you know, if you're trying to get somebody into rugby league, Tell them to watch the highlights of this game because, like, I think they would really, uh, really enjoy it. It was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was great entertainment, not just great rugby league. Look, I tell you what, you don't do if you want someone to enjoy rugby league is show them highlights of cowboys and bulldogs. Oh yeah, because that was not, not in comparison, not a good quality match. Uh, very likely to be bottom of the table to a lot of pundits, mm. uh, bottom of the table team, a lot of. Issues with both uh, off the field with both teams, and it ended up being a scrappy affair. Won by the Bulldogs six four in front of twelve thousand or so at um, uh, Townsville. What's it called again? It's Queensland. It's some bank. <laughs> no doubt, it's some bank. What's it called? Queensland Country Bank Stadium Queensland Townsville. Bank. Yeah, yeah. It was a Sunday evening game at six fifteen. Bit of a um, graveyard shift from for rugby league uh, games, I think, because. You know, the main game is usually the 4 p.m. game that everyone watches on on free-to-air. And then the other one, I think, is not usually on free-to-air and it gets forgotten. So, um, yeah, look, a very scrappy affair. I think both teams need to have a real good hard look at themselves. In saying that, the Bulldogs get away with the two points. So 
they're off the mark. So, you you know, Trent Barrett, for all the issues he's going to have, he can point to the scoreboard and say, mm. well, we won the match. That's all that matters. And uh, I think it does. That is all that matters. Um, and I think I get the feeling that the Bulldogs aren't going to be an entertaining team. Uh, they're going to be the type of team that will win ugly. And that means that they'll do whatever it takes to win. Um, and I think they've got the players to do it. They've got some winning mentality players there. But uh, look, it's only round one. Let's just see how we go. But Tish, uh, final thoughts on the final game of the round before we move on? Well, Dr. T, if you had um, the ability to, you know, uh, customise round one and make it so exciting so people will get into your product, right? Would you schedule the Cowboys and the Bulldogs? Would you schedule... Team 15 versus Team 16 in round one, <laughs> right? And uh, <laughs> Probably not in round one, no. Okay, I now that, that, that did put it in the graveyard, uh, uh, yeah, slot, the, the 6 p.m. Um, and, and and just to highlight uh, just how crazy it is, these two teams, a combined conce- concession of seven, <laughs> like seven, more than 750 points last year. And in this game, both teams could only get one try, um, you know. And when I saw the result, um, I had to check, wait, is this the ATP tennis scores, like 6-4 who? And then um, then I realized, no, it's actually the NRL app, and that was the real score. So I've got to say, very disappointing. Um, there was an incident of, of, of you know, <laughs> crazy performances as well that we'll talk about a bit later. But, yeah, look, I think both these clubs, quite disappointing. Um, you know, I think everybody's expecting, like, I, th- I don't think, anybody, I think people were disappointed, but they just weren't surprised because I think they kind of expected this. Uh, but I do think the Bulldogs, just because of their recruitment, have a bit more of an upside. Um, but uh, yeah, they've got, I, I believe they've got a tough month of football ahead. So, um, so, so all the best, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's leave it there because we do have two of the remaining tackles are devoted to these two teams. So, so let's let's go on to tackle number two, which is about the Cowboys in trouble. Here we go. All right. So we did look. I, I think I did predict that the Cowboys would be. I think probably the first team to get rid of their coach this year, Todd Payton. Uh, is in the firing line for sure. Um, and this, you know, this effort didn't really help them. Um, obviously, the Tomalola situation, his playing time, not getting as much as, as people not thinking that he's thinking that he's not getting enough time uh, out in the field, given how important he is. Uh, he, you know, let's not forget he signed a 10-year, $10 million deal back in 2017. Um, and... I think Todd Payton is deliberately trying to reduce the number of minutes he's playing so that he can uh, uh, yeah, actually get to that 10-year <laughs> deal. And, and he's trying to like preserve his career, basically, trying to preserve him physically. Um, but I think this isn't really helping Todd Payton. Mm. Uh, you know, we need results. You can't just protect uh, your, your most expensive player. Um, Tish... Are the Cowboys in trouble or do we still have a little bit to go to see what what the performances look like? Yeah, well, I think they've got a lot of concerns. Um, I think the the Jason Tamalolo situation, his 10-year contract, 
not getting the right value and things like that. Um, look, I know he's, I know, you know, uh, Cairns is a long, oh, sorry, Townsville, is a long, 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 long way from from Sydney. So you're probably not getting the Sydney media, but I think uh, obviously social media is everywhere, right? So, um, so he's probably, I don't know how your star player thinks about, you know, when people are sort of making these comments and, um, you know, Todd Payton trying to preserve, um, you know, uh, Jason and his career. It's, uh, you know, you know, it, it is, it is sort of good sort of, you know, in terms of like, you know, um, you know, like, you know, sort of play welfare. Right. But at the same time, you know, Jason Tamalola isn't, isn't, isn't a pickle, you know, uh, you know, where, where, where <laughs> preservation is the key, you know, he obviously wants to play footy. And I think there was a frustration there and I think there's tension between the two. So look, I think, um, you know, I think what they need to do is, is, is they need a bit of relationship counseling, these two, you know, um, you know, maybe get into a room, hug it out if need be. Right, um, you know, uh, you know, every time Todd Payton does a, uh, a press conference, even if they win, it still feels like the the man could use a hug, right? Um, and who better the hug than the flimsical, you know, defense from Jason Tamalolo? He's trying to hug people on the field all the time, right? Um, so you know, just using lots of hands, not using shoulders. So maybe these two, I, th- I think, I think some hug therapy. Uh, maybe uh, uh, you know they could have some R and R this week. Go away together. Um, you know if if Todd, if if Todd can write down, you know what he appreciates about Jason and Jason can do versa. They could swap um, their things. I, I just think I just think they just need to uh, resolve whatever issues and then only have the one focus, which is how do we win this week's football and how do we actually get to the finals this year. I think, you know, everything else is a distraction, right? Like really how many play how many minutes he plays, how well he plays, inconsequent how much he gets paid, inconsequential to the actual result of the game. Do you get what I mean? And I think they just need to fo- like just get focused back on what they need to do, you know? And um you can tell that there's a lack of focus in the team too. Like I mean it just makes so many like mistakes, silly errors, giving away the captain's challenge on like, you know, like silly decisions and and um yeah i mean that they, they kind of scored a try in the first half and then they just you know try to try to play conservative football for the rest of it it's, it's kind of strange you know so um mm. yeah so i think i think yeah so i, I just think the cowboys they just need to get refocused again and um you know and because they've got some good players in the team and they've got a good junior nursery too of players so i don't think they they should be struggling as bad as what they are um, but yeah, but I think, I think the, the Jason versus Todd scenario has just blown it out. You know, that, that's what I think. So yeah. What about yourself? Oh uh, yeah. Like I said, uh, the, there's a, uh, uh, it, it's difficult when you've got this sort of star player who's such a cultural phenomenon for Tonga, as well as for Queensland and uh, a lot of expectations around him. And it's, you know, it's possible that, Again, with some injuries, all of a sudden his impact is not going to be as 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 strongly felt as it was in the past. So how do you how do you deal with that? Um, you know, you I think they're still experiencing a bit of a Jonathan Thurston hangover in terms of since he retired, they haven't really kind of um, filled the void, so to speak. So I think there's still some issues there that they need to resolve. 
Um, but yeah, Toddy Payton, uh, I don't know if he's got the answers. And I think we saw last year that that he didn't really have some answers in uh, in the in the media uh, in the press room. And I think that really kind of you know irritated some people potentially or raised some um, concerns about you know what you want from a coach uh, from a head coach at at a time when you're you're struggling. You know you want answers, or at least you want to feel confident. And that they have the answers, not that they're uh, they're completely at wit's end about you know we've we've seen plenty of coaches that have uh, have made comments around not knowing how to resolve issues or not knowing what the issue is, be sacked very soon after <laughs> because that's not what you want. You want uh, you know you hire someone you, if you if you have a uh, a water leak in your house and you hire a plumber, you don't want them to come over and go, I have no idea how to resolve this. It's like, well, that's not what I pay you for. Like you surely should know what the answer is. Mm. You just need to do it. And so it's the same here. Like if you kind of expect answers from at this level. Um, now, having said that, I mean, you've seen examples of this all over the world at the moment in in soccer in particular. There's lots of uh, some of the big name clubs in, in England, mm. for instance, not performing as they would like. And the coaches eventually, if not initially, are on the firing line, in the firing line, sorry. And so the same with Toddy Payton. So I think, uh, look, I don't have any, any mail that suggests that uh, there is any anything to the to rumors, but there are rumblings being heard, and they're quite loud. So yeah. that's never a good sign. Um, have we had right, a club? So, have we had so, a club that won the premiership? Uh, what five years ago, maybe six years ago? Like <laughs> that, a tip to win a wooden spoon. Now, I mean, it it, it is like a downhill, a slump. very rapid fall, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you know, even even worse than Enron. You know, like um, <laughs> like like. <laughs> And you can't really blame COVID because if anything, COVID uh, was beneficial to the Queensland teams because we ended up playing all of the season, most of the season there. Mm. Um, so it's not like they can claim being homesick or whatever. Um, I don't know. So maybe maybe that's the thing. Maybe COVID has affected people as well in terms of uh, you know inability to see family and, and all that kind of stuff when you want to travel. So um I think yeah. I think we underestimate. Let's not underestimate the COVID factor and what it's done to travel restrictions and people mm. not being with family, especially when a lot of a lot of the players in in especially sort of South Pacific communities are very much uh, family oriented. You mm. know, so let's not underestimate that. I think um, you know that's going to have to play a part in, mm. in uh, some of the struggles that some teams are going through. Um, all right, let's move on to the third point, uh, the third tackle, which is about HIA. Here we go. All right, so. HIA, and the reason why I said before the Bulldogs-Cowboys game was relevant is that there was an incident in the Bulldogs game that has led uh, to uh, some questions being asked about um, teams exploiting HIA rules, um, basically gamesmanship happening, and it's led to stronger calls for independent doctors to make decisions on the field. Um, So what happened was the Bulldogs... um, had their player Jeremy Marshall King in the final few minutes had the HIA. Uh, the problem was that it looked like he actually had a shoulder injury when he went off the 
field. He was clutching at his shoulder. But the trainer signaled that uh, Marshall King, who was a hooker of the Bulldogs, needed to leave the field for a HIA with nine minutes left on the clock, and that effectively gave them a free interchange. So that's kind of the new rule that's happened. And, uh, you know, some have uh, have basically said that the NRL are expecting to have a bit of a please explain to the Bulldogs over the incident. Um, I think, uh, let me just say, when I see news articles, media articles suggesting that a <laughs> where, where it's suggested or expected that the NRL is going to do something, I think when it's as blatant and clearly obvious as what we saw, um, I think the NRL needs to be proactive and just get on with it and just say, publicly say that they'll be investigating, Mm. you know? None of this, what I don't like is seeing the media kind of uh, rumbling, especially from News Corporation, et cetera, Fox or whatever, uh, suggesting that there's, there's rumblings happening and this, that, the other, uh, and that the NRL may be doing something. Uh, rather than that, I actually want to see the NRL because uh, it, what it sounds like is sometimes the media kind of uh, it's almost like the media creates the news uh, before it's before something's even occurred an already mm. report. It's like before something's occurred, the media is says it's about to occur, and then that's the news, and then and then the NRL is seemingly forced into a respond respond kind of position, like yeah. they need to respond to something rather than be proactive. I think you know lesson here for the NRL: get on the front foot and say, yeah, yeah, we had a look at the incident. It doesn't look good. It looks like they um, they faked a HIA request so we are going to look into it it's going to be an investigation away we go you know there's and then that should be the news that the nro has done something and mm. is alerting the media to it but again we're we're at the middle of the week now and nothing's happened uh, or as at time of speaking nothing and recording nothing has happened so um very disappointed that that's the case. If it is the case, hopefully the NRO will, will um, react a lot quicker than, you know, three days, basically. Mm. Um, Tish, what are your thoughts on, well, the incident itself and HIAs, but but also the NRO's response to it? Yeah, well, look, uh, HIA, there is actually a new uh, set of protocols for 2022. Um, they do have the video referee doctor the video bunker doctor referee, something like that, um, who is actually making um, assessments remotely and doing a doctor-to-doctor consult um, with the with the club doctors because, and this is a request made by the doctors to, to have something like this in place because they felt the pressure of clubs imposing on them what should happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, so, so it kind of gets the whole sort of the... Uh, I suppose, you know, the conflict of interest, um, it, it gets the doctor out of that sort of position, you know, because as a medical professional, you want to, you know, um, you know, you want to hold your integrity. And if somebody has an injury, I mean, you're there for the players. So I think the players support that sort of move. Um, but this is kind of um, not that at all. This is the this is the Canterbury Bulldogs, a club of the highest integrity with no previous incidences of... Uh, <laughs> Rorty. Oh, don't, don't go there. <laughs> okay, don't go, go there. Yeah, but look, I, I, I think, and um, you know, and then uh, you know they've uh, and they've been caught out, and it's it's on video, and and um, 
you know, yeah, it would have been good if the NRL had sort of gone on to it. I'm, I'm not sure who picked it out first. Um, I did hear that Todd Payton said something about it in the press conference. So he might have been the first one to say something, which is probably why um, it went out to the media first. But I think the NRL needs to be a bit more um, proactive, um, be on the front foot with this sort of thing. Um, I'm not too sure about the please explain, if I could say that. Like, okay, you've done something wrong, please explain, right? I think it should be like, hey, there's an incident that happened. It's clearly happened, right? Um, how it happened, why it's happened, we're investigating or whatever. But, you know, and here's the punishment. And to be fair, the punishment should really be, if it's anything like, if you if you play, uh, if you play eight minutes with a 14th player on the field, right, you'd, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd lose competition points. Yeah. See, yeah. An, an, an illegal, an illegal uh, sort of, um, you know, player on the field, like like you know, interchange player. I think it's the same same scenario, really. Um, you know, it's it's fifteen versus four. Like you know, what's well, you know, it's it's you know, they get an extra thing, and the, and, and the Cowboys are, are disadvantaged. And in the end, it was a two point game, right? So. Um, who's to say that that things could have not have been different? So, so, you know, I think the punishment should for this sort of thing, um, because it will stop it straight away. Will be that um, when it comes to the media, this is kind of interesting, right? So when they talk about this, um, what they say is that well, all the clubs are doing it, all the clubs have rorted it, right? This is like just the latest, right? But here's the thing: nobody ever cites any other time this has happened, right? So. Um, and I do believe that this is probably not the first time it's happened. Probably not. But I can't think of it, any other situation where uh, this has occurred. So um, I don't think because I don't think the excuse of where yeah, everybody's doing it applies here because you've been caught out so blatantly, right? And if that's the case, I, I, really, I really feel that, look, unfortunately, like, you know, it's two points is very hard for the Bulldogs to get. And, you know, it is disappointing. And, and to be fair, it's only... Um, I don't think the player themselves is to blame here um, because it was the trainer. And it, so so something with the coaching staff, I, I don't know exactly how it happened. That's probably where the NRL needs an explanation. But I think, you know, you know, for some, a situation, unfortunately, I would just like to see, uh, you know, in the interest of fairness, sticking up for fairness, I would like to see, yeah, points deducted if if there's not a reasonable explanation as to why this happened because it, in the end it's 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 really unfair to the Cowboys who you know already living through depressing times for them you know exactly yeah yeah and look let me just so my final comment is look no, we got to be careful what we say here that we're not casting aspersions over the integrity of mm. any of the trainers or doctors or whatever yeah um, although. I'm not sure if the trainer – would the trainer have been uh, medically qualified to oh, make yeah. the assessment that, he, that, that that player needed to make aid, have a HIA assessment? I don't know. But in the, mm. at the end of the day, the, if, if it was decided that it was HIA, um, obviously the trainer was correct then because if, if we're, we're judging the, uh, the, the doctors, uh, you know, in terms of their integrity, um, you know, that we're, we're assuming that they're making the right decision. Um, and so it's an interesting sort of ethical thing here because the fact that it seems like there's favoritism and that doctors, you know, club, having club doctors could be an issue. 
you'd think, well, wouldn't a solution to this be to have independent doctors uh, from the NRL that just, uh, and maybe that's even a better way to distribute resourcing resources anyway. Uh, you don't need to have a, uh, a doctor that travels with the team, but an independent doctor that can just go in and go, radio, I'm seeing the player in front of me. This is the issue. They either have to get off the field with concussion or not. Like it's their job to just do that rather than also have to worry about other things, you know, then go back to the bench and then worry about the rest of the players and their injuries because they're the club doctor. Do you know what I mean? Like I think mm. there's things like that, that that we could we could do to make it a bit more transparent and, and kind of independent. Um, but again, all of that, it's murky because the minute you say that, it sounds like you're casting aspersions over over the uh, you know the impartiality of of uh, club doctors, and so it's a tough one. It's a tricky one, and it's not something yeah. we can resolve now, Tish. But it's something that mm. we just need to keep an eye on, and and keep an eye on when when that sort of talk is happening in the media that there are consequences for for saying things like let's make independent decisions etc cetera, etc cetera. It, it, it implies that at the moment they're not truthful or or could potentially be subject to untruthfulness that in itself is a very very murky sort of area so we just need to be super careful there but uh anyway that's my final thoughts on that let's keep an eye on it see what happens and see if the NRL does something all right tackle number four it's about Arthur Beetson here we go So um, there was a decision initially to snub Arthur Beaton uh, in the naming of a new Sydney football stadium uh, grandstand. And initially, uh, they uh, people wanted Arthur Beaton and that decision was that they wouldn't name the grandstand after Arthur Beaton and that led to a bit of an uproar in, in the social media. New South Wales Sports Minister Stuart Ayres uh, rejected the recommendation from the government-appointed Heritage Committee of Venues, New South Wales, which wanted to call the stand garrison to mark the ground's military heritage. So they were going for a, um, a broader, you know, not a, not named after an individual. But there was a lot of backlash mm. uh, when a, a leak of the proposed name sparked an outcry from Beetson's family, former players, and obviously a lot of fans online who wanted the same named after the Roosters and NRL, uh, well, and uh, Roosters legend and who is now an NRL immortal, the late Arthur Beetson Tish. Uh, it's still not confirmed yet, but it sounds like that uh, they're not going to go with that recommended name. Um, what do you think? I mean, Arthur Beetson, certainly a decorated career um, you know, for the Roosters, do you think that, you know, in the time when we're talking, you know, last week we heard about Shane Warne's passing and already MCG is going to be naming a, a stand after him. Um, you know, does Arthur Beetson deserve a stand named after him? Do we want to go with the name that they're talking about, the Grounds Military Heritage Garrison, as an example what are your thoughts on that? Do you think uh, – are there other options? What do you think? Yeah. Look, I'm not too sure whether I want a statue or a stand named after me. 
Like if they do a, a statue, is that more honor than a stand? Because sometimes I think about the stand, the stand naming. Because I feel like it changes all the time too. You know what I mean? Like, um, so and um, so. But look, it is obviously a great honor, and um, to have the family outraged is is pretty. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not good. Um, uh, so uh, from my understanding, I think part of the reason why. Um, they didn't want to go with Beaton initially is because they already have another rugby league figure, um, you know, for another stand, uh, which is the Ron Coote um, stand. Uh, yeah. You know, they have a Johnny Warren stand and a St. Nicholas Shahidi because obviously Johnny Warren with soccer and uh, rugby union, St. Nicholas Shahidi. So then I suppose the rugby league now gets two, <laughs> two figures named after them instead of, instead of the one like everybody else does. So, uh, so then you got to decide between Ron Coote and and uh, Arthur Beetson, right? If you're gonna sort of do it, so yeah, it's not e- easy making these type of decisions, right? So uh, I could kind of see uh, the point, um, and then I could see that um, you know Morris Newman, the chair of the Heritage, explained. Um, obviously, there is a lot of names that we could could have considered that didn't make the cut. Um, you know, and uh, we considered Arthur Beaton, but essentially he's a Queenslander, <laughs> <laughs> which which is like so silly as to exclude him because he was a Roosters great. Right? I mean, he played, uh, he did play for Balmain, but he also played for the Roosters, and he's kind of well known for the Roosters, and he was such an inspiration to the. So, so, so I think, I think, um, I think he certainly deserves that honor. Um, but yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just, it's, I feel, I feel odd that we're just talking about the name of a stand. Like, I, I feel like, is there something more that we can do to honor somebody? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, than just that, um, you know, um, I know that, um, I know that at the Sydney Cricket Round, they actually have like, um, they have a statue of a, of a fan, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe we need to have a statue of Arthur Beaton somewhere on the Sydney Football Stadium. I'd rather see something like that, which is um, people can go to it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I think a, a stand itself is that because, like, you just, uh, I suppose, you know, you don't you don't really see it on the ticket either, right? They've they've just got the base and the row numbers as well. You don't really know which stand you have on the ticket as well. So, yeah. Um, but, look, hopefully um, they do mem- remember Arthur Beaton in the right way. Your thoughts, Dr. T? Yeah, look, I I think a stand is obviously uh, a very a higher level of recognition than than a statue. I think there can okay. be lots of statues in around a stadium, but to have an actual stand named, it's harder to get rid of a yeah, that's know, true. A stand than it is a statue. I think, mm-hmm. um, and but yeah, there's obviously I, I think Ron, um, sorry, Arthur Beetson is a kind of character that almost merits both. And, and more, I think, uh, ways to recognise him. And I think uh, when you look at, when you when you mentioned the other stands that are named already, it kind of feels odd to not have Arthur Beetson there. I mean, you would think that mm. given um, given the value that he's provided to a club that made Sydney Football Stadium its home, um, you would think that there would be, that he would be recognised. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's... His name, his absence in the list that he went through makes me 
convinced that he should be there, if that makes sense. Yeah. They need to name a stand after him. When you compare the others, you think, well, you know, and and I I don't subscribe to the the thing about the you know why should rugby league deserve to? It's clearly that rugby league has made more of that that ground than than any of the other codes. Absolutely. So I think it's if anything, you know. Rugby league has made the best memories there. I think from what I've from what I've seen. So I think, um, I think it's not really an issue. It's more just an issue of which players should be recognised at that highest uh, level. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, so, is there is there a stand at Suncourt Stadium named after Arthur Beaton? Not sure. Right. Good. Good question. Not sure. Good. No. I don't know. We'd have to look that up. Because for me, the most iconic thing about Arthur Beetson is Lane Park State of Origin 1, right? That's um, one of the big moments. Um, so, yeah. True. And and that's the comment that I was making earlier that I think, uh, you know, and also because, yeah, I mean, the best memories weren't necessarily made there, but it's more he's representative of uh, a a club and a, and a code. And you're right. I mean, you know, he's the one that, is more associated with state of origin and and gave the legitimacy of it and more so than his club um, offerings and 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 uh, achievements, absolutely. Um, anyway, look in my mind, I think uh, I think they have a right and absolutely they have a, a, a voice there that needs to be heard. Uh, those that support Arthur Beats and getting the stand named after him. All right, let's move on to tackle number five. So tackle number five is about some exciting changes to the NRL women's competition. Um, and so some of those changes include uh, increased uh, expansion of the NRLW competition, the premier competition there, um, increased pay, full-time contract opportunities, and also a, a two-game state of origin series. So, you know, Everything is expanding because mm. obviously it's proving to be a very popular product, and and players obviously deserve, you know, better pay, more stable pay, all that kind of stuff. This is what happens when a game grows: is that as it gets more popular, and and it absolutely is a superb product. Um, you know, it, it's not something that that the NRL needs to hide. Uh, you know, unlike what, what what we saw recently, I think um, there's some examples of this on on Twitter where uh, the uh, I think New Zealand Rugby Union uh, got into major controversy this week where they had uh, a uh, they were supposed to do a tweet about International Women's Day and they they didn't even mention their world champion, what they call Silver Ferns women's team mm. <laughs> they focused on some all blacks players and uh and their support for for the women in their lives and people were up in arms and, and not only that but one of the players that was in the campaign in the twitter campaign social media campaign was uh you know had cloud of kind of domestic abuse behind him so yeah um when you look at that kind of stuff happening in other codes and then you look at the quality of effort and the effort that is being put behind expanding the women's game 
you know, getting close to uh, kind of um, uh, the, the situation where it, it can self-sustain as a competition, uh, quite apart from the NRL, the men's NRL. Um, you know, a few years ago, it wasn't even in existence, and now we're talking expansion. So the specifics are that in 2023, next year, the NRLW competition will expand from the current six teams to eight, and then the year after, in 2024, it'll expand to 10 teams. So we're going to get four new teams. We're going to go from six to 10 in the space of two years, which is unbelievable expansion. Um, so currently, as a reminder, we've got Broncos, Dragons, Roosters, Titans, Niles, Knights, and Eels as teams in the competition. And the remaining clubs, uh, obviously there's four slots available, are going to be mid applications to join either next year or the year after with the ARL Commission uh, who will make a call on those clubs, the successful clubs, in July. So, you know, let's see what happens. I have I have no idea what, what kind of strategy the NRL is going with, whether, you know, it just means that we're going to get four more teams. Um, I would think when you look at the, the footprint that we have in the NRL women's competition that you, you'd opt for a possible New Zealand team, I think would be an obvious choice. Possibly also Storm would be very interesting to have a Melbourne presence. Mm. Um, and then, you know, considering we've got two teams in the um, in Queensland, four Sydney, sorry, three Sydney teams, Dragons, Roosters, Eels, you know, maybe you might consider adding another, another Sydney team there. So there's quite a few options available there. So that's really good. Um, the other point is that from 2022, uh, season, uh, which is going to be played later this year, teams will move to a salary cap system set at three hundred fifty thousand. While clubs will also be given the opportunity to employ two marquee players on full-time contracts with additional cap dispensation, and this new salary cap system will see players' salaries increase overall by twenty-eight percent. Um, and obviously, the last the last comment there is about uh, state of origin going from one game to two games. Which will be fascinating because you would think, you know, what happens if it's one apiece? <laughs> you know, I don't know. So, look, Tish, some interesting points there. What are your thoughts on what the NRL is doing to expand the women's game? Well, it's really exciting. And I think really exciting news. Uh, I believe that the ratings are going through the roof and there is a, a, a lot of momentum. Um, so I think the NRL is, is obviously trying to capitalise, but I think it's really, really important for the game because um, junior participation uh, for females is growing. And I think we need to have more and more opportunities so they can play at the elite level. And, um, you know, I think also along with that, probably need to get a, a lot more exposure um, from a television side of things as well. Um, you know, get a lot more free-to-air games and you do that by expanding the competition and, um, you know, uh, not having your team there. Like I don't have my team there, the West Tigers that, that don't have a team. Um, sometimes it's a little hard because you're kind of forced to go for another team. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so, so I think, I think as they add more teams and, and sort of, um, uh, get it close to what the NRL teams look like, then I think then, it's always going to be better. Um, still, I don't know. I feel funny about NRLW team, the Roosters, because I feel like, I feel like there's got to be a female uh, here. Like, 
You know, like I think some of the name, like I, I don't think it has to be a hundred percent the same name. I think, I think, um, I think, I kind of want um, the NRLW to have its own identity in a way, and not just be um, the the women's version of of the NRL, right? Um, I yeah, want it to be, I agree. yeah, I, agree. I want it to be something where no, this is actually elite competition on its own. And it's something that it's that that could stand up on its own, uh, on its own. You know, like you know, if you think about like um, uh, tennis, I think tennis is probably you know leaps and bounds ahead of everybody in this area, right? There are tournaments every year where where it's just it's just an all all female tournament, you know. And it's only where the majors come around where they where they're sort of all together. But you know, um, I, I feel like the NRLW, I I, I do. I would like, I mean, yeah, look, you got to start it. you got to incubate it at where it is at the moment. But I think the goal should be, the long-term goal should be that it, it has its own identity on its own. But but this is a step in the right direction, definitely. So looking forward to seeing more great footy um, from the, um, you know, from from, uh, from these awesome plays in the NRLW. Yeah, absolutely. Um. All right, so let's move on to our final round, which is the tips for round two. So here we go with the tips. All right, last week, as you mentioned, Tish, we uh, well, we both got six out of eight, which is good. We're off to a good start. But let's move on to this week. Um, so quick fire, we've got Storm and Rabbitohs. Uh, in my mind, the Rabbitohs, the troll coming back, are going to bounce back. So Rabbitohs are going to win this one. What about you, yeah. Tish? I think for Bellamy's 500th, I think the Storm are going to win. And um, I believe that a Bellamy-led Storm has never been beaten by the Rabbitohs in Melbourne. Wow, there you go. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and what was the other? Actually, we forgot to mention the other sort of stat was that the storm. Uh, did we mention the storm hasn't has won nineteen or something straight round one matches? Yeah, <laughs> so incredible. Think yeah. about that; it's unbelievable. Um, anyway, so storm obviously champions are getting off to a good start. Um, Dragons and Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to win this one. Yeah, look, I know the block plus the game on a really unusual time slot, but I'm going to tip the Panthers as well. Roosters and Manly uh, is the Friday night game, uh, the the televised Friday night game. Look, Manly, I think are going to do it very easily. Yeah, this is this is a tough one. Uh, I'm just going to go with the Roosters since this what is a home game for them. All right. Titans versus Warriors. Titans for mine. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Titans for me on this one as well. Sharks versus Eels. Um, I think the Eels will win this one. Yeah, I think I think the Sharks are improving, but I'm going to go with the Eels as well. I think the Eels were um, almost on par with Penrith, um, so uh, so I'm going to tip the Eels. Cowboys versus Raiders. Um, I think the Raiders showed too much, and I think the Cowboys are in trouble. So Raiders for mine. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there, Doctor T. I'm tipping the Raiders here. Um, they're back-to-back home games for North Queensland, and they could be 0-2, which is quite scary. 
Knights versus Tigers. This is an interesting one. Uh, usually these teams are boogie boogeymen for other teams, um, especially mm. leading into the finals. But this time they're playing each other and the Knights are on a high. West Tigers are not. But I think the Knights will win this one. You know what? I'm going to have to agree. Like, yeah, I know. There's going to be oh, tough no. <laughs> but Look, I'm going to have to go to the t- they're home. They played way better. And I think the Tigers really need to improve. Uh, if they're going to do well. So, lines for mine. And the second graveyard shift for the Bulldogs in a row. Um, <laughs> Sunday at 6.15pm, non-televised on, on the main TV. Bulldogs versus Broncos. Uh, these teams always have, you know, interesting kind of matches. Uh, I think this one will be a bit of a blowout, and I think the Broncos will win this one. Yeah. I think the return of Adam Reynolds... Um, yeah, I think the Broncos for mine as well. Uh, yeah, return of Adam, Adam Reynolds, I think he's going to be huge. And um, obviously with last week's performances, they both won, but I think the Broncos were a lot more convincing. So um, I think the Broncos are their specials for this one as well. Well, there you go. And that, I think, ends the tips and the podcast for this week. It's been an epic one. There's a lot happening after round one of the NRL. Then there'll be a lot more to happen for sure uh, as we progress through the season. But look, I'd like to say thank you very much everyone for listening and and, uh, please stay in touch with us. Send us an email ourrepublic at gmail.com Check out our website ourrepublic.com where you can download our podcast. You can also get our podcast on iTunes uh, and uh, reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Tish, over to you to wrap this up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening out there. But that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>